There's multiple oil change places and lube station facilities in town. Now with car washes, this is where we think it's really interesting because as the potential moves toward more electric cars, we're going to see a lot of those facilities go away. But guess what? Electric cars still have to be washed. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Whitney Elkins Hutton. Whitney is a successful real estate investor. We're going to walk through her story of starting with an accidental rental and then building successfully with rentals, growing wealth, flipping properties, everything along those lines to today, she is focusing on car wash investing. And that's what we're really digging into today is how the car wash investing business works, what the specific asset types within the car wash industry are, why they're targeting one specific type of car wash, what the exit strategy is, how the investment works, where the money is to be made, how depreciation and paper losses for passive investors work, a lot of other great information. We're seeing a lot more interest in general in the market around car wash investing, especially as the market gets a bit tighter, interest rates rise and all that kind of a thing. Folks are looking for other investment avenues, and I'm very excited to provide education on car washes through Whitney today. A lot of great knowledge in this one. She's very helpful, very knowledgeable. You're going to learn a lot, especially if you're interested in car wash investing. So much great knowledge here. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investments. To date, I've acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. That's when we're helping you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Once again, our guest today is Whitney Elkins Hutton. We're talking all about car washes. Let's go. Whitney, thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about where you come from, what you used to invest in, and what you're up to now. Yeah. Well, first of all, Taylor, thank you for having me on. This is going to be fun. I'm so excited to part some experience and wisdom you know, to the guest here and maybe do a little bit of education. And that's exactly what I do right now. I'm the director of investor education at PassiveInvesting.com. But I didn't start off doing that. I actually don't have a degree in real estate. I started off completely by accident in real estate in 2002. I bought a house with a significant other, and about a month later, that relationship crumbled. And I had the whole property under my name, all the utilities, everything. So, you know, did it right, did it wrong. You know, judge is still out on that. I think I did it right. Anyways, but, you know, I was nervous. What do I do? So I stuffed the house full of roommates who didn't mind living in construction zone. Matter of fact, they helped me out, finish the rehab on the house. And, you know, I sold the property 11 months later, which was probably my number one investing mistake in real estate is actually selling nice cash flowing property. And but what I realized at that sale is that I made more in not only just the gain on the transaction, but the cash flow monthly. I hadn't been paying for any of my housing expenses in 11 months. Then I did in my day job that had me traveling 70, 60, 70 hours a week. And so I was totally bitten by the real estate bug. And I did several more living flips and house hacks, if you will, by myself and then with my now husband. And 
Then we realized we hit a level of achievement. We realized if we wanted to leave our jobs, we needed to break our paycheck dependence, which meant we wanted cash flow, not just the equity build. So we kind of did a little bit of a head slap when somebody said, hey, why don't you keep those rentals that you keep flipping? We're like, oh, that would be amazing. So did that transition and scaled up to about 30 single family rentals. We started off in Colorado and then eventually started investing out of state when we realized that's where the cash flow was for us. And then we had our next ceiling of achievement when we had our baby girl. And I was also taking care of some family members, still working full time at this point. And we needed, we figured out we needed to scale further faster, which is I needed to get more units with each transaction we were doing. So we transitioned into multifamily real estate and we did it both actively and passively. And then it was kind of a race to figure out over the next few years, like which was going to actually get us across that financial independence, financial freedom finish line. And surprisingly enough, it was the passive income that actually did that of investing in real estate passively. But I always tell people do both if you can, but shuttle as much as you can to the passive side as quickly as possible. And so, you know, today we, my husband and I have 6,500 residential units, 2,200 self-storage units, all in partnership, totally in partnership. And then we also have seven express car washes. And I, that's, you know, what I do here at PassiveInvesting.com is to teach investors how to make scale a portfolio like ours, but also make that transition from, you know, W2 work to passive real estate or active real estate into passive real estate. I love it. I love it. Today, I'd like to dig more into the car wash aspect of your investing portfolio. How that all works, you know, those have gotten a bit more popular. It's still a, somewhat of a niche asset class, but folks have been expressing more interest in car washes in recent years, maybe maybe due to you and all the education that you're putting out there in the car wash space. But let's dive into it and talk about just how a car wash investment works at a high level, and then we can dig a bit more into the details. So tell us about you know why someone would buy a car wash. Where's the upside? Where's the cash flow? How's it work? Well, I actually feel like, you know, everybody says start with why, right? You know, Simon Sinek. I actually yeah. want to start here with the what, because there's actually four different types of car washes that you can invest in, and they're not all the same. And that really leads into the why you would invest in a certain type of car wash. So the first type is very DIY. You, you know, cement bay, you know, the drain in the floor, you pull your car in drop some quarters and you get your brush and your hose. Pray your 10-year-old doesn't spray you with the hose <laughs> while you're cleaning <laughs> the car. Can you tell that this happened to me a few times? But so that is, you know, coin-operated car washes, DIY. And then we step up a little bit where you have now the, the automatic, in-bay automatics. Those are the ones that you see kind of attached to, you know, self-service stations. Maybe there's one or two bays. Great for a quick car wash, but if you're like two or three cars back in line, you're checking out. You've got other things to do. You're not going to stick around. So you can't get the volume through there. Okay. It's not actually a business in and of itself. It's just in an added cost center for the gas station. Then you can flip it to the other end of the spectrum and you have full service car washes. So this is where you pull in and somebody jumps out, you know, vacuums your car, maybe go through a short 30 or 40 foot tunnel. And then there's an army people at the end drying your car, wiping down the interior of the car. Now, breaking bad style. Yeah, breaking bad style. Exactly. Those are very labor intensive type of car washes. Okay. So they have an element of scale to them, but you have this huge labor component. 
So we have the sweet spot between the DIY and the MBA automatics and the full service car washes where we have what we call an express tunnel car wash. And they're they're growing this industry. It's a $33 billion industry and growing at 4% per year. But the express part of the car wash industry is doubling it almost or is, it's growing at almost double the clip. So closer to 7.98% annually. And this is where, you know, there's still probably a bay of vacuums. Maybe you can vacuum your car. Maybe you can engage somebody else to vacuum your car. And then there's a long, say, 60 to 120 foot long tunnel. And that tunnel is taking care of everything. Pre-wash, wash, wax, undercarriage, tire shine, drying, everything under the sun that you could possibly have done to the exterior car. And, you know, it's all very quick and automatic. You, you, in this particular model, you can wash about 400 to 500 cars a day and run it with about two to three full-time employees. So now why would somebody want to invest in this space? Well, we've got the growth of the industry. We had a, a model that is very, the OPEX expenditures are very low. It's a high margin model, low labor intensive model. and it, anyways, it's very, and the car washes as a whole are very resilient and they're a very recession resilient asset class. So it's perfect timing for right now where we are in the market cycle. And there's lots of data to support this. Now, the other reason, the big, another two, there's two other big why somebody would want to jump into car washes, especially right now. One, if you think back to self storage, say 2006, seven and eight, that was before big money started getting involved. Why wasn't big money getting involved? Okay. You had this whole model. You could start consolidating the self storage from mom and pop owners. So that's where we're at in this market cycle. You know, you know, less than, you know, 75% of the industry owns, you know, less than five car washes. So a lot of mom and pop ownership. It's because there's no third party management. And so Blackstone doesn't want to get involved. They don't want to go buy, you know, 10, 15, 20 locations and then try to build out a regional operations or anything like that. They don't want to figure out that. They want to be able to buy assets, place it with management and just asset manage the, you know, the asset for their particular REIT that they run. So that is one of the big puzzle pieces to solve. And that is something that we have solved here at PassiveInvesting.com is that third party management. And so we're looking to scale a portfolio of 150 to 200, excuse me, 250 to 300 locations and IPO that. So again, we've got all these things. It's it's really ripe industry that's ripe for disruption. We have this market consolidation happening where the early part of the market cycle where we can actually start solving the big issues that will allow us to make big exits to larger private equity groups and maybe even IPO. Cool. Wow. Awesome. So there's a lot there. I wonder about the how how things like the cash flow, the appreciation, the depreciation. And all of that works for the investors. So you're if you're looking at an IPO, that's a very specific type of like exit strategy. But while you hold the properties, do they cash flow well? How are they valued? Are they valued based on a cash flow basis? I would figure they are. How does depreciation work for investors? Because passive investors love getting tax write-offs through depreciation. Walk us through all that. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I like walking assets through what I call my seven wealth pillars. So how do they preserve capital, cash flow, equity, tax benefits? Let's just bite off the first four right now. So from a capital preservation standpoint, 
you know, you want to buy low, sell high, right? You know, that's one of the ways that you can help pre- preserve capital. Um, right now, assets are trading about 12.5 to 15x for the express car wash space. That's the ask right now. And when I say X, that's a multiple of EBITDA or a multiple of the profit of the business. Okay, earnings before interest, depreciation, taxes, and amortization. And so that's a little bit different than how multifamily is valued. But, (laughs) you know, but think of it in terms of it would be a multiple of, say, the NOI of the asset. Okay, if you backed out before you backed out all the lend the lending piece on the asset. So, you know, you know, operators that are entering the space and doing it really well, they're buying probably closer to seven to 10 X multiple. So we're able to kind of help preserve capital that way, you know, set set ourselves up for, you know, a good acquisition there. Now, cash flow, you know, this space, a lot of mom and pop owners aren't very good at growing the expenses or grow, excuse me, growing the income and asset. So a lot of the locations we're picking up are still on individual pay. So, you know, you would just come in whenever you want a car wash, you would you would roll in and get your car wash and you pay at that time. So we're moving our clients to a monthly recurring revenue model. So a subscription and there's multiple tiers. You know, you get, you know, more bang for the buck in each tier that you go up. Now, that that to me is really fun because, you know, say it's twenty five dollars, you know, for an introductory tier car wash. Well, the car wash itself between electricity, water, chemicals costs about 80, per, 80 cents to a dollar per wash. Okay. Now you still have to account for labor and like facility overhead in that, but you have a nice hefty margin because your average subscriber washes their car 1.8 times a month. Do the math. <laughs> That's a nice hefty margin there to grow. And we can continue to add value to that subscription through, say, free vacuums, free scents. One of my favorite ways is to add a pet wash to the location. Nothing, I have a dog, nothing more annoying than to get your dog a car clean and then the dog's not clean. You can put a sneaky dog <laughs> in a very clean car, right? And so that, and honestly, to add a pet wash, is just a few hundred dollars to do. And, you, you know, it reaps benefits on the, the bottom line. So that's one of the ways we can help preserve cash flow, bump up the cash flow. Also, as you can see, those start moving the equity levers of the asset. We're increasing the income. We're adding additional streams of income. When we get into the express car washes, one of the things that we love to do is affect the bottom line as far as operational expenditures. How can we make the expenses of this asset, you know, lower the expenses of the asset? And so there, there's sometimes we're updating equipment to make it more energy efficient. Um, sometimes we're putting in water reclamation systems to, you know, lower our water cost. And, you know, there's a side benefit there that a lot of people love is that it makes it more environmental friendly. We can actually reclaim the water, clean out the chemicals, reuse the water. And so that's that's great too. We can actually modulate the tunnel on how much electricity it uses as well as how much water it uses, which impacts how many how much of the chemicals it's using at each look, you know, each stage of the wash. Another thing when we're laying on this technology that we, you know, link up to the subscription, you know, somebody has the barcode you know, on their car, they roll through, we know what kind of membership they have. We know, hey, last time they got a tire shine, but in their subscription package, they don't get another tire shine for like three or four washes later, right? 
or maybe like they only they get one like every other month, right? We have that pre-programmed into the system also to help, you know, modulate our expenses as well. And so there's just really neat things that you can do technology-wise. Um, another way to kind of boost income by getting people on a subscription model is that you you are you this is kind of going back to slapping yourself in the head. You want to capture the client's information. Shockingly enough, a lot of the properties we are acquiring, these owner operators don't know who their customer is. Oh, yeah, that's big. So they're missing out on an immense opportunity to continue to market to that client, you know, you know, with, you know, upgrade specials or, you know, share with family and friends or whatever. So there's immense opportunity there as well. And then the tax benefits. You mentioned the tax benefits. You know, when you invest passively in a car wash, you can get some great passive tax benefits. Our estimated year one depreciation alone is 70 to 90 percent. Wow. And there, yeah. And a lot of people are like I talk to investors, they're like, well, are you sure you got that right? It's because it's a very it's a business, right? So you're you're able to write off all of that equipment within the business year one. Wow. Okay, so there's there's quite a lot there. I'm glad that you touched on uh, so many of those things. One of the things I've wondered about in particular is really the the cost of water, right? Because we can expect, I think, that over the long run, over the course of the next 10, 15 years or so, I would anticipate the cost of water in many areas probably going up pretty considerably for, for a lot of reasons. But I do wonder how that can be mitigated in the long run. You, ran, you mentioned water reclamation systems and more efficient equipment, things along those lines. But how do you, do you, do you bake that potential in for the massive, in, potential in massive increase in the cost of water down the road? Well, I think that's a function. And there's a twofold function there, right? Like we are mostly in locations where water is not as scarce, right? So we don't have locations in the middle of the desert where you're probably going to see those massive water increase pricing, right? You know, right now, majority of our locations are in the southeast. Now, we do have, you know, plans to continue to expand into the, you know, the Midwest and to the interior parts of the United States. I mean, we have to in order to reach reach that count. And so I don't see, you know, we continually underwrite in our model for increased cost of those type of utilities that we're in areas where I don't we don't really expect to have like like save Phoenix, Arizona. You know, that's running out of water or Sedona, Arizona. My husband and I, we be, we take our family there like every year for a month and the, they're going to run out of water, like parts of flex that they're having to truck in water. Right. Like, And then two, the way water gets allocated to businesses versus residential, the you know, the residents of the area is entirely different in majority of municipalities. So we're really taking care to look at that piece how water is allocated, it's kind of like if you go to buy a multifamily building, you're looking at the landlord-tenant laws and the taxation before you buy. Same thing. Like we're looking at how how is this going to be impacted in the area? What are what are the laws that, you know, are on the books currently or regulations on the books currently? And, you know, what are things that are coming down the pipeline? Because certainly that would impact the business. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned various markets, market analysis, things that you look at. I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that. I'd like to dig a little bit more into that and how you determine you know, whether a particular market is oversupplied in car washes and, and just generally how you think about and, and go through the process of analyzing a market. Because I can see 
you know, I, I guess I know the procedure to do it for multifamily and self-storage, but when it comes to car washes, I wouldn't even know where to start to get that data. Yeah, absolutely. So we have an acquisitions team that that is their, this is what they do is that they, they have their buy box and they're constantly looking and measuring assets according to this criteria. So I can run down, you know, for existing sites, I actually have our criteria pulled up right here. We're looking, you know, we're looking for opportunities to convert. We're also looking in A-class areas. And so when we talk about A-class areas, you know, you're going to, it's going to be a lot of the criteria that you would expect for multifamily. Population's growing, incomes are growing, jobs are growing, jobs are diversified. You know, household incomes are growing. Household pricing is growing. Crime's coming down. Poverty's coming down. We're looking to be in this, not only those major metropolitan service areas, but also in the submarkets that have the exact same like profile. Now with car washes, okay, great. Like it's not like fantastic. You take, for example, Denver, Colorado. We're in Arvada. You can throw a dart and probably put a car wash anywhere, you know, in Arvada and it does well. It's like self-storage. You need to be on the right corner in that submarket. And so we also look for traffic counts. And so we're looking at over 20,000 vehicles coming by that location a day. So that's one of the biggest metrics that would impact the success of that car wash is that having that strong traffic count. Now, you know, you brought up a piece there like, well, you know, what is the oversupply over density? Think about this. Gas stations. There's not just five gas stations in town. You know, it depends on, you know, if you're coming into town or leaving town. Sometimes you have two Conicos, uh, you know, across the street from each other, right? It depends on that traffic flow and that traffic count. It's also like lube stations, stuff like that, right? Like there's multiple like oil change places and lube stations, facilities in town. Now with car washes, this is where we think it's really interesting because as the potential moves toward more electric cars. We're going to see a lot of those facilities go away. But guess what? Electric cars still have to be washed. True, true. And the interesting potential for conversion, you just have to you have to think about getting the the water supply and the wastewater removal. Probably significantly higher requirements for a car wash compared to a, a gas station or a typical loop station. Well, yeah, we're not converting those. We are taking existing sites. So when mm. I say conversions, you know, maybe there's an existing site that has a 60-foot tunnel. And we'll look for ways that we can add, say, like another 30 or 40 feet to the tunnel and maybe even express lane. Because that can be a pack- part of the package. You know, maybe you're paying $45 a month so you can have an express lane. And it doesn't matter how many cars are in line. You just, you paid extra, you just jump to the front. Kind of like wow. priority boarding, you know, with the airlines. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very interesting strategy. I think we'll see growth in that down the road. And and the discussion about rolling it up and IPOing is a very interesting idea. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. 
Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Whitney, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I believe so. Yes. Great. I'm sure you are. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? So it would be my mindset. Now, you know, it's so, you know, I always ask myself three questions. Like, what do you want? Why do you want it? And who do you have to become to get it? And whenever you continue to level up like that and you ask, who do you have to become to get it? It's the mindset piece. You have to be in the right mindset. And so, you know, coming into this and trying to be as successful as possible in not in all areas of my life, I have to you have to upgrade the operating software here in between the ears in order to make sure that one, that you're ready for the work, but two, that you can sustain it long term. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Ah, you know, I can tell you who the, that I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I will tell no you names. what brought me into the worst investment. And that is not fully vetting the operator. It was one of my early investments. You know, the operator actually was very good. A good operator is just that they translate, translated into another space, didn't have any track record there. It didn't hire additional team members to shore up their knowledge and experience in the area. And that was red flag number one. They didn't bring on strategic partners to invest in themselves in that area. And, you know, I was like, oh, great. I invested them here. I'm going to invest with them over here. Fantastic. And between that and COVID, it didn't go well. Wow. Well, that is one of the red flags that I name in our seven-day video course on red flags and passive real estate investing. Just because somebody's been successful in asset type X doesn't mean they're just going to be able to jump to asset type Y and be successful there as well. Those things are difficult. You need the right people. You need the right knowledge to make those shifts. And that is unfortunately a big risk. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Most important lesson. Not to take myself so seriously. I am, you're laughing at me. Anybody's not watching the video on this. No, that's good. That's good. No, I I joke around and it's hard for me as a parent. I have a 10-year-old because I really want her to succeed and do well. And I, I catch myself, I'm constantly asking, like, how did school go today? What did you do well? Like, how are your grades? And I'm I'm not focusing on the right thing, which is how did you challenge yourself and fail? And did you learn something about yourself today? Did you try? Or are you kind of timid, right? And so I put that in that category of not taking yourself so seriously. You know, I, I you know, many people will probably resonate with this. You know, my, maybe you feel like you're a recovering perfectionist. You know, um, you know, the, you know, I had to kind of step out and be like, you know what, I'm going to learn more by just being myself and not fearing to fail than I am than if I never tried at all. I love that. That's very important. And I think if we take ourselves less seriously, we tend to have a bit more fun. We learn a lot more along the way and grow and just people want to be around those of us that are having fun and enjoying themselves because they want to enjoy themselves as well. Whitney, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, sharing all this knowledge, all these lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Absolutely, Taylor. They can join me at PassiveInvestingWithWhitney.com and I have a free ebook for them on that website. 
as well as they can jump on my schedule and we can talk about all things real estate. Very cool. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.